Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 9, and it's on uh, page 686 in your Bibles. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge, of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will never harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Father God, as we hear from your word this morning, uh, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us, uh, that you would uh, challenge us and encourage us by the hope we have in Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, it's now just a few days after Christmas, isn't it? And I don't know, some of you might have been organised enough to have already started packing away Christmas decorations, have you? Not in our house, anyway. Uh, that's unlikely to happen until New Year's Day. And at Christmas time, there are all sorts of symbols that remind us that it's Christmas time. There are Christmas lights, of course. And most importantly, there are all sorts of uh, creative nativity scenes that are designed to remind us of the true reason behind the Christmas celebration. But there's also one very familiar symbol that we've all grown up with, and that, of course, is the Christmas tree. Now, traditionally, the iconic Christmas tree is a tree that we put lights on and decorate with all sorts of different kinds of decorations. And we do this because, well, it's traditional and, well, because we enjoy doing it. But the trouble is, the true Christmas tree, the Christmas tree that the Bible describes is quite different from the one that we've grown up with, the one we know and love. In fact, I don't think we'd actually want to decorate our homes with the tree that the Bible describes. After all, there'd be nowhere to hang our Christmas lights or our decorations. A tree like that would not impress anyone. In fact, even calling it a tree is actually quite generous. 
because the tree that the Christmas that the Bible describes as the Christmas tree is more of a stump than a tree, a stump that looks dead. It looks hopeless, looks lifeless, apart from one tiny shoot. But this vulnerable and almost lifeless stump is nevertheless the true Christmas tree. Because from this weak and frail beginning, God has fulfilled his promise. Through this one tiny shoot that grew up out of this lifeless stump, God has established his church and he has provided hope, an eternal hope for all who trust in Jesus. This is a a message that is greater than our fears, greater than the things that cause us to worry, greater than all of our concerns. However, it is also a message of hope that is incredibly hard for this world to understand. After all, it isn't based on anything that this world values, anything that this world considers powerful, important or triumphant. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 27 puts it like this. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. In fact, the message of hope is based on the humble birth of a baby born in a stable and then laid in a manger. A man who would say that he has nowhere to lay his head. A man who would live sacrificially and suffer and would be rejected by his own people and then be handed over to the Romans and later crucified in a shameful, humiliating death. But this message of hope didn't end at the cross because this shoot from the stump of Jesse would rise again. This message of hope is certainly not what anyone would have expected, but it is the only way that anyone can be saved. So as we get to chapter 11 of Isaiah, we need to keep in mind what is going on in the background, what the original hearers of this passage would have thought and understood. At the time, the nation of Israel were facing God's judgment. They had rebelled against God time and time again, and God was about to hand them over to their enemies. And as they heard these words, God was getting ready to refine his people with fire. He was getting ready to hand them over to the Assyrians. Now, if we go back to chapter 10, verses 17 to 19 of Isaiah, it says, The light of Israel will become a fire, their holy one a flame. Their holy one is speaking of the Lord. In a day it will burn and consume his thorns and his briars. The splendor of his forests and fertile fields it will completely destroy, as when a sick man wastes away. And the remaining trees of his forest will be so few that a child could not write them down. This is an image of an incredibly vast forest. 
that's healthy and thick, being consumed by the heat of an enormous bushfire as it rages and bursts forward, a fire that leaves only a very few untouched, just a small remnant of a once incredibly mighty nation. This is a far cry from the nation that Joshua led into the promised land or the nation that King David led. But even in the midst of this prophecy of judgment, God is showing that he is faithful even though his people were not, that he will fulfill his promise. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From its roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, Jesse was King David's father. And this shoot symbolises, well, Jesse's family tree. The, the family tree of King David. The one whom God had promised would be a descendant, would have a descendant who would reign on his throne forever that his family line would never be wiped out. But many who had come from Jesse's family tree had not walked in the ways of the Lord. They had done what was right in their own eyes. Many of the kings of Israel had done evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so now they were facing the consequences of their sin and rebellion. And this stump, well, it wasn't just cut down. I don't know if you've ever cut down a stump. I have. And sometimes they will grow back up again. This one was cut down and burnt with fire. This stump was, from every account, dead. It was as though all of the descendants of Jesse, the whole family tree had been cut off and burnt and was, that was the end. But nevertheless, just as God promised... God raised up this shoot, this tiny bit of life coming out of this dead stump, a hope for those who trust in the Lord. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. At Jesus' baptism, the spirit of the Lord descended on him as a dove. And as the spirit empowered Jesus with all wisdom and understanding, knowledge and fear of the Lord, God the Father declared these very well-known words, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. This shoot from the stump of Jesse will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now, there's so much meaning behind that phrase, the fear of the Lord, that well, it's virtually um, impossible for us to unpack this morning. Unpack. But um, what it doesn't refer to is being afraid of the Lord. It's not talking about being afraid of the Lord in, sen in the sense of being terrified of him. This is talking about having an extremely high level of respect for God because of who he is. 
We see this fulfilled in Jesus. He delights to bring God the Father glory, to do his will, to honour him because of who he is, by showing him respect and admiration, the admiration that he deserves. He will judge by what he sees, sorry, he will judge not by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Men judge, mankind judge by what they see and by what they hear, don't they? This shoot is not led by human senses of sight and sound. He's not distracted by the same kinds of things that we are distracted by, not led away by shiny things. He's led by the Spirit in all that he does so that his judgments are righteous and just. He will not oppress the poor. He will not serve his own interests as men often do, but he will do the will of his Father. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Jesus is the one who will establish justice on the earth. The wicked will face the judgment that they deserve. All who have acted unjustly, all who have oppressed others, who have cheated others, who have rejected the Lord their God. This is an image of all things being brought into submission to Christ, of all things being placed under him, of everything that was undone by the fall being restored. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf will calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Young children will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of a cobra and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is an unimaginable picture for those of us who have been born after the fall, after Adam and Eve's rebellion in the garden. This is a picture of peace that we have never fully known. No more will animals kill or be killed. No longer will we we be at odds with God's creation or our creator. This is the Christian hope, the hope of being restored of no longer living in this fallen world and of life in God's presence forever. This is an image of life, what life would be like when sin and death are no more. This is an image of the certain hope that can only be found in Jesus, 
God's promised saviour. And this is an image of a world that brings glory to its creator. As Isaiah prophesied these words, he was giving the people of God, Israel, a glimmer of hope, just as they were coming into a time of judgment. The hope of all things being restored because God is faithful to his promises. Harvest is over. Well, hopefully it's over for most of you. And some of us are getting ready to go away on holidays. Christmas has come and gone for another year. But the good news of Christmas is good news all year round. It may have come from a very humble beginning, a shoot from a stump that had been cut down and burnt, a baby born in a stable and then laid in a manger. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God's way of salvation is incredibly hard for this world to understand. It doesn't rely on our strength. It doesn't rely on our wisdom, our gifts, our talents, or even our good works. No one is able to boast in what they have done for the Lord. And that's really, really good news. Because we all know that we have sinned. We all know that we have fallen short of God's glory. We all know that we have let him down. The good news of Christmas is that God will never let down those who trust in him. Because even though we are unfaithful, God is always faithful to his promises. Ephesians 1 says, In him, in Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. From a very humble beginning, God has provided us with the most amazing way of salvation one that doesn't depend on us, but on God's faithfulness to his people. This is a a message of hope that none of us would have ever expected, but it is the only way that anyone can be saved. So as Christmas decorations are taken down this week, May we remember the true Christmas tree, a burnt-out stump with a tiny shoot that signifies God's faithfulness to his promises. May we remember the good news of Christmas all year round, the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, the hope of restoration, of eternal peace, and of life forever with Christ. Let's come before him now in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the hope that we have in you. Lord, we look all around us and we see how broken this world is. Even this morning, we're not supposed to be singing because of sickness 
that's in this world. Lord, we long for the day when you will restore all things, when all things will be made new. And Lord, we pray that you would help each of us as we go out from here to be encouraged by the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Help us to hold tightly to that hope, to remember that you are faithful to your promises. And we pray this in your name. Amen.